You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Visionary Life Podcast. In today's show, I am sitting down with Connor Carrick, who is a current defenseman for the New Jersey Devils NHL team. Connor is wise beyond his years and has so much to share when it comes to growth and achieving goals and really getting the most out of your life. I met him back at an event in April of 2020, and he really stood out among the crowd. I picked up on his strong work ethic and his insatiable pursuit of growth and his hunger to maximize his every day, chasing his most visionary life every single day. Not only does he train full-time as a National Hockey League player, but off the ice, he also hosts the incredibly popular Curious Competitor podcast. He's also a husband, and he has a little one on the way, or perhaps it's here already, depending on when you're listening to this. So tune in to hear how Connor is able to perform at peak level, how he stays so committed to his craft, what he's currently geeking out on, and what inspired him to become the first active NHL player to enter the world of podcasting. So enjoy this episode with Connor Carrick. All right, Connor, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. Um, for context, I actually met you at one of the Archangel events, and I know you recently had the founder, Giovanni, on your show. And I believe that you and I were actually put into a breakout room together, mm -hmm. and I believe this was back in March or April, and you mentioned to the small group of people who are in this great breakout room that you're actually wanting to start a podcast and you were looking for tips. So today, which is six or seven months later, after we met at that event, you have a podcast. It is crushing it. I creeped it on the hockey and the sports charts. And Thank you've you. interviewed some amazing guests like the founder of TRX. You've had Olympians on there. Uh, you had an episode with a trainer from Tony Robbins. So first off, I want to congratulate you on deciding to share this brilliance with the world. So um, kudos to you. But Second, I'd love to know, has there been any unexpected positive side effects of launching this show? Like what has been that unexpected, um, really awesome thing that's come from it? Well, Kelsey, first off, still looking for tips and tricks. So I'm going to review how we do today and, and still trying to get better there. And Always. Yeah, I was quite timid at the time and, and I had all this pent up energy ready to rock with a with a podcast and excited to launch it and and quarantine was you know sort of the ignition there and it's been a blast and what i would say is maybe got into it to 
I hate the word network, but connect with new people, people a little outside my immediate realm, have conversations that were different and more nuanced and, and maybe otherworldly than just in, in the hockey world. I, I, I appreciate the singular focus of coming to the rink every day, but at the same time, I'm curious about more things than, than just exactly what's in our locker room. But the best, without a doubt, the best benefit that I've found is twofold. One, it has improved the relationships with friends and family that I, that I already had, yeah. really, they, they get to see a side or a lane of me or, or learn a little bit about me. And, and it causes this spark of reflection in them and, and then eventually a conversation with what they connected with. Mm-hmm. And then second, my wife's due February 7th, like we're expecting a child. And, and I guess I think it's Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this, the beauty of this raw footage, the beauty of this showing the process, showing the documentation behind the growth. And I'm super curious, like, who was my dad? Who was my mom before I came into the world? And I'm not going to be able to hide real well from our eventual child. And we don't know the <laughs> sex yet, but like, here's all these hours of who I am and what I'm all about. And I think that those will be cool conversations, you know, 10, 15, however many years down the road. Yeah, it's so funny you say that. I would actually love to hear a podcast if that was in existence, if my parents were chatting in their 20s, their 30s. I think that would be amazing. So I love that you're already thinking about how your future child will experience this medium. Um, so, you know, I think for most people, it is that networking piece that it really satisfies, having those conversations, those deeper, more meaningful conversations. When you thought about putting it out there to people beyond your your friends and family, like potentially people all over the world are listening to this show. I'm wondering, how do you hope it serves them? Like, what do you hope they get from this show? I think I recognize what a beast momentum is, positive or negative. Like, like there's, there's two, there's inertia. It's very difficult to go zero to one on anything in our life. And then once you're in motion, the ability to, you know, keep things going in a positive manner, uh, really can become seamless when you've got mm-hmm. all your ducks in a row and you, you've put so much work behind the present moment that you're able to just continue down this, this beautiful path that you've, you've so wanted for yourself. And I recognized I'm pretty confident guy for the most part. Uh, I've, I've had what most people would agree is a, a certain degree of success early on in my life, particularly in athletics. And I recognize from listening to the podcast giants that I look up to, I am so impressionable mm-hmm. and I wanted to both participate in the conversations that I, I was listening to. I couldn't believe uh, just the, the quality of expert and the information that was available via this podcast medium. Yep. So I wanted to participate in them. And then I just, I recognized as an athlete that as a current athlete, there are, is a small pocket of the world that looks up to me for, for what I have to say and think about certain things. And if I could be a source of helping them go from zero to one, you know, get over that initial inertia that's that's so demanding to get out of your own way for, uh, and then help people run downhill when the when the time came, manage the momentum. That's really my goal. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the most fulfilling things in life is to be able to learn something in our own lives and then be able to teach it to somebody else who has not yet learned those lessons or just to open up conversation and say, hey, we're all going through the same thing here. And 
I'm not the expert. I will never be the expert, but I want to participate in the conversation. I would like to share my thoughts and opinions. And if you like them, great. And if not, then that's okay too, right? But it's so wonderful to actually put that voice out there so that people can find you and maybe it makes them feel less alone. So I love your um, your vision for not only doing it for yourself, but also for others too. I know so many of our listeners have toyed with starting a podcast before, but there's definitely something standing in their way. And I would say most often it's a mindset block. So I would love to know, did you face any hesitation or self-limiting blocks beliefs in getting this out to the public? Or did you feel kind of like you were on a rocket ship right from the beginning and it was like, no big deal, let's go? Well, I was horrified. The first, I, I purposely used public accountability to, to get me in motion. So what I did yeah. was I released uh, via Instagram that I was going to be doing this podcast and then I wanted to throw up, uh, frankly, until, you know, it was about a week until I released the first episode. But I knew that if I said publicly I was going to do something, I was going to follow through on it. And then I think being an NHLer, uh, people outside our culture may not understand, but we very much have a stay in your lane. Uh, do, do what you're paid to do. There is no conversation around uh, diversification of your you know, personal portfolio. And what I, st- Giovanni was actually one of these people. I started to listen to uh, financial leaders, business leaders about the importance of having a well-rounded, holistic life approach, business approach. And what I realized was, and, and nothing against, you know, some of the NHL GMs and coaches, but frankly, it's not their job to manage my best life. It's their job to demand the best Connor Carrick as a hockey player. And I owe them that. That's where, you know, that's what I pay the bills with. And, and, and I work like a dog and, and make sure all my professional habits are, you know, all my T's are crossed and my, my eyes are dotted kind of thing. Um, and that allows me the freedom to take on a secondary, you know, sort of ambition as I have. There's no question. Like I was very fearful of, you know, 50, 60 year old, you know, GMs in the, in their offices saying, who the hell does this kid think he is? But I had faith that if I showed up every week with uh, the intention to help others, the intention to relearn things, we talk about this, right? Where it's not all of a sudden like I learned something once and it's fully integrated. Like how many lessons do we continuously relearn? And podcasting is a great way to, to continue on that process. And, uh, yeah, there's no question that I had plenty of imposter syndrome uh, symptoms prior to launching. I love that you share that you did like a public accountability post, basically, because that is literally the only way I get anything done, it seems, is set a date with things, right? I think so many people, they kind of, uh, they have this big vision for the next project that they would love to launch. But if you never put a date on it, and if you never share that with even one other human being, you might let it marinate inside of your head forever. And I just think that those are two very simple things that we can all do to really just give ourselves that nudge that like, go take action on that deep desire that's been punching at your gut for a while. So pick the date, share it with some friends and family, or, you know, share it on Instagram these days. Like we love to cheer each other on. So I think that's an awesome tip just to, you know, if you have a project and you've been postponing it, then maybe give yourself that extra layer of accountability. And I guess to, to, it wasn't like I just went and posted it on Instagram yeah. where I, you know, have 50,000 followers. Like I talked to it with my wife. I talked mm-hmm. to it with uh, my producer. So 
all along this way, I was making these baby steps towards it. And eventually I just, I finally mentioned even to uh, my therapist, which I'm not, you know, super open that I, I see one, you know, frankly, it's kind of my own mm-hmm. uh, process there. And, and I do maintain a level of privacy in, in my life. And she had mentioned as soon as I, you know, said, I, I have this hunger, this pull to do this, this podcast. And she's like, no, that's awesome. And, and, you know, you and I both know, cause you just said it, like it's going to come up at a later date. And she's like, I'm willing to bet you do it now. And so it, it started on a, on a very one-on-one personal level yep. and there were nerves to tell each and every person up until the general world. I was nervous for the first podcast with the guests I had on. I was nervous for the first uh, podcast guest that I had that, that was a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was nervous for the first podcast guest I had that was outside the hockey world because now I'm really reaching and, and trying to, you know, uh, allow myself to operate in this lane and... Mm-hmm. At some point, I just, uh, you know, I decided that there's so much competition in the world in, in, in a positive way that, you know, there's one person I don't necessarily need to play against, and that was myself. I love that. And it seems like you've always had this kind of resilient, persistent mentality. Uh, I think I was listening to you in another interview describing a moment in your childhood, or maybe I'm not going to get this story exactly right, but where you had this epiphany of, if I want to make it to the NHL, why not me? Like keeping that phrase in mind, you know, if there's going to be 31 teams that are picked why can't I be on one of them? And I actually was just taking a Peloton class this morning and one of my favorite instructors, uh, Robin Arzon, she said the same thing and she was saying, you know, I was working this corporate law job and I wanted to quit and become a spin instructor, but I just kept having this resistance, this resistance. And then one day I walked into the office and it felt so misaligned and three words popped into her mind and she said, why not me? And she quit that day and she thought, you know what, if others are going to go do this, like, why don't I take a stab at my dream? So take us back to your childhood. Did you always have that mentality of if others can do it, I can do it. Where did that begin for you? You know, it's interesting because I, I had this blend of, of being a, a really shy kid. I consider myself like an extroverted introvert. I speak well. I, I'm good socially, generally. I say um more than I'd like, but I'm, I'm working on it. But it, it really took a lot of energy for me. I was the kind of kid where, you know, if I wanted chicken tenders from the concession stand, like I would give my brother 10 bucks and be like, hey, can you go? Like I felt nervous asking for anything. I was just hyper polite, I guess. And But at the same time, my dad you know, really instilled in me, particularly I'm the oldest of three. I was the stand, I was the standard setter for our family. We have three boys in our family and the conversation was consistently around, you know, Connor, someone's going to set the pace for your younger brothers. And it's your responsibility to, to step into that. I took it seriously. And I was generally just kind of an old soul as a young man, even as early as nine or 10, my parents and our relationship with the sporting side, not to get too into it, but I was responsible for big time decisions that had, you know, both financial and, and time uh, repercussions on on the strain of my parents and where they were going to have to be and when. But I believed at a very young age that I was meant and able to do great things. Mm-hmm. And that certainty has wavered in my life. There's been times where it's left me and it does take serious work to regain it when it does fracture. But this certainty muscle, I do believe is something that I've been able to train 
lose, retrain. And right now I'm feeling pretty good about myself. So that's, that's where we're at. I love it. So what are things you do to train that certainty muscle? Because I believe that that is a huge pillar of continuing to grow and progress and evolve as human beings is being certain that even if we do fail, we're going to be okay. Being certain that there is opportunity in the unknown. So how do you cultivate that muscle of certainty? What are some of the things that you did as whether it was a kid, a teenager today to make sure that you show up with conviction and that, you know, you're meant to be where you are today. I think I really try and reflect on two things. One is what have the people that have done what I want to do? What did their process look like? What can I steal? What can I replicate? Uh, in my own way, of course, but what do I know beyond the shadow of a doubt will work and has worked? And then the secondary reflection is more personal. Who am I and what are my values and why am I going to be able to uphold this, this tall schedule of all the things it's going to take to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for example, in, in, in hockey, you know, I'm projecting out, uh, where the game's going next. For example, the game, since I even became next year, will be my eighth year professional. The game has become infinitely more skilled than it was yeah. extremely fast. Uh, the game kind of went big and slow to small and skilled. And I think next it's going to get big and skilled, which I'm 5'10". I'm not, I'm not the tallest guy in the world. So where am I at on this curve and how can I project out? And I know, you know, if the game's going to get faster, there are people that I can consult with. There are, there are drills and things that I can do on my personal side. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's what I try to do. I try to reflect out what have other people done that that's, I, I don't have to take the, I can take the guesswork out of this. Yeah. And then why am I able to? And that usually looks in some form of a meditative state where I'm a big fan of the mirror, you know, kind of the classic sports cliche moment, but who are you, Connor Carrick, today? And, and who do you want to be tomorrow? And I do take that question very seriously. Yeah, I feel like you're, you're, you're someone who's not just a dreamer or a visionary, but you're also someone who's a practitioner of life. Like we think of dreamers and visionaries often like, you know, just like living in the future and constantly head in the clouds. But um, then there's also that practical part of you that seems to be on the ground doing the work, knowing what it takes to actualize the big dreams. Um, I'm curious, how do you prime yourself to be hungry for more every day? Do you just get up out of bed and say like, I'm gonna find the best practitioners to work with, I'm gonna go source out the best quality of food and like, are you just fire from the moment you wake up? Um, Or do you need to prime yourself to be like, all right, like I can grow every day, I can learn something new every day. Um, Maybe it's a routine you do, maybe it's some sort of mindset shift because I think we all don't just jump out of bed in the morning, ready to go all in on our training, all in on a podcast, all in with our wife who's pregnant, you know, like there's, there's a lot going on. So what is that priming for you in the mornings? I take my physical health super seriously. I'm trying to sleep eight to nine hours a night. It's crazy how much of a multiplier that is alone all other habits aside. Um, you know, I definitely try to hydrate, eat well, greens, you know, clean proteins, all that. And no one else needs a, a further nutritional lesson than that. So I'll leave it there. Other than that, I would say I have a stubborn will where I genuinely expect to have energy and motivation every second of every day. 
And I think it was Naval Rockavant talked about it on like a Tim Ferriss podcast where he's like, you know, most people oscillate from somewhere between they're either anxious or they're bored. And my cycle for that is pretty quick and somewhere in there is action. And now I am trying to become more uh, long-term, you know, more forward thinking on, on who this is for. This isn't just for me to, you know, it's not because I don't like myself and I just need to outgrow, you know, who I am today, like a, like a snake, you know, shedding its skin kind of thing. Mm-hmm. and trying to play a more longer term game. Like you can't outperform your insecurities. Like they'll, they'll follow you any way up the, the ladder you want to get to. Um, but I would say it's a holistic sort of approach where mentally I'm committed to having this level of ambition day in, day out. My force mm-hmm. my, or my, my sport kind of forces the issue as well. Just culturally, there is no conversation around sick. There is no conversation around tired. There's not even a conversation really around injured unless something's severely broken. Yep. It's you're going to show up and you're paid to do a job and we're going to do this. So I'm able to borrow some of that, the cultural strength there in other aspects of my life, which, you know, wasn't always easy. I wasn't always super committed to in a social setting being present. You know, I wasn't always committed to being a great listener as a husband. You know, frankly, my mind would be elsewhere. I wouldn't be present. And I've started to adopt these uh, more social goals. Um, so yeah, that's my process there. Connor is the epitome of someone who fuels his body with the highest quality, most nourishing foods. And if you've watched his Instagram stories for any amount of time, you'd have seen him chomping down on high quality meats, taking his supplements and brewing organic, good quality coffee. And as visionaries, we know that healthy body equals healthy business. And that's why I'm thrilled to present Healthy Planet as our premier sponsor of this show. So if you want to place your order for all your supplements, your natural health goods, your organic natural cosmetics, then go shop at healthyplanetcanada.com. You can shop by department or dietary need, or even just check the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all of your favorite health goods all of the time. So when you're at healthyplanetcanada.com, use the code visionary10 at checkout, and you're actually going to save 10% on your entire online order over $49.99. So use code visionary10 at checkout or visionary one zero and enjoy the discount. I was actually just reading a quote this morning and I I wrote it down because I had a feeling it might come up in this podcast. So, um, it's, it's really about, um, not just showing up for the practice of training or for the practice of being in your marriage or not just showing up for the practice of eating healthy, but really going all in on it. So I'm going to read you the quote and then I'm going to ask you a question based on it. It's like quiz time. (laughs) Um, So it's actually, it's written by um, an author named Natalie Goldberg. And she says, in order to improve your writing, you have to practice just like any other sport, but don't be dutiful and make it into a blind routine. Yes, I have written an hour today and I wrote an hour yesterday and an hour the day before, but don't just put in your time. That's not enough. You have to make great effort. Be willing to put your whole life on the line when you sit down for the writing practice. Otherwise, you're just mechanically pushing the pen across the page and intermittently looking at the clock to see if your time is up. So do you feel like there have been moments in your life where in certain aspects of your life, whether it's showing up for training, whether it's showing up for your family, whether it's your health, where you were just kind of 
putting pen to paper. It was scheduled in your calendar and then realizing I wasn't actually there. So what's the point? Like, what's your um, experience with that? Absolutely. I mean, particularly in hockey, just because I, I think that's the lane where most people ask me on, on what I'm an expert on. But like there's been periods in my life where I couldn't stand my relationship with the sport. My, my failures were so gr- they were mounting by the day, um, you know, whether I was injured or in and out of a NHL lineup. And I was so miserable with where I was failing. And I just realized, like, no one's coming to save you. No one's going to play for you to get out of this. And in fact, there are thousands of players crawling uh, to have just the opportunity that you have in front of you. And and I w- used to be one of those players. I would have given everything to be in that troubling situation. But I was missing perspective. I was missing appreciation for how far I'd come. I'd, I was missing the personal element of responsibility at that time uh, that I needed to r- rise up against this tidal wave of what felt like at the time negative momentum. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. That quote reminds me of, uh, I think it was Dr. Andrew Huberman, a neuroscientist in some capacity, went on Joe Rogan, and he's talking about this cocktail in the brain that needs to be present in order for, you know, skill development, how as you get older, it actually becomes more and more difficult to have this this present. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I recognized was like, I need to bring an approach every day where my practice is at an elevated level beyond what most players play at. And that's, you know, something I try to compete with. I try to look at most guys and go, okay, I see how hard this guy prepares on game day. I see how hard this guy's willing to compete on game day. It's Tuesday and it's raining on my way to the rank. And, you know, for the NHL, we don't even have a guaranteed season yet. But what I do know is this COVID deal won't last forever. And if I can practice today at a level that this guy tries to play at, I've got a serious chance to, you know, uh, make ground towards my goals. That's awesome. And thanks for sharing that. I think like one of the common themes that um, comes up a lot in my community is how to not live on autopilot, right? Because it's one thing to like get the dream job or to be playing a sport you absolutely love as a career. But if you just fall into the default of same day, same thing. Uh, it doesn't excite you anymore. You're not putting intention into your growth. Anything can become super monotonous. And when you fall into that autopilot state, I think that's when a lot of the joy uh, tends to be ripped away because when you're not growing, you're, you're just regressing in a way. Um, so I think it's super important to bring some mindfulness to like, where in my life have I fallen into autopilot? And, you know, we're never going to be able to juggle all the balls perfectly, but um, just recognizing it. And then something else that you said is really taking ownership and accepting accountability that nobody's coming to save me. If I'm not happy or if I'm not performing my best, it's on me to change that. And I think that's a tough reality for a lot of people to face because it's easier to pass the blame or to stay passive or to stay in that autopilot lane. Um, Taking ownership is hard and committing to show up to practice like everybody else plays their game. Like that's an intense commitment and that's all on you, right? So it's that level of ownership that I think not a lot of people are willing to confront because it's pretty scary to say, I'm in charge, I'm in the driver's seat here. Um, and it's a lot of responsibility, right? And one of the tools that I 
recognized to be very useful was this sense of variety. You know, like I love chocolate cake, but I want to eat it every day. Yeah. <laughs> like it's going to get old eventually. And pro sport is coming to the rink to do your job every single day. And so I would anything, whether it was when I'd get home from the rink, okay, maybe I wouldn't watch hockey the rest of the night. No, but no. Like, you know, most of the time I'm supposed to be pretty hockey obsessed and it's yeah. my job to, you know, maybe scout the club coming to town that's playing the New York Rangers the night before they get to Jersey. But you know what? Like, maybe I throw a rom-com on with, yep. you know, my wife and we watch <laughs> a, a movie. You know, like maybe we, you know, decide to go out for a while. So I was able to play with the script a little bit, even within my training where, you know, there were days, for example, I, I would tell myself, I will not do anything extra at practice today. I will simply, I will show up. I will do my very best for the time of competition, whatever coach has, you know, uh, set aside. Mm -hmm. And purposefully today as a challenge, I will not make up for any shortcomings thereafter. I will not do any rec extra reps. Like my challenge today is to treat this as if it was a game and you only get one shot. And, you know, so there... You know, my trainer, uh, Ian Mack out of Chicago, used to have this saying, like, there's two types of people. There's there's people who sleep well at night knowing they gave everything they had. Mm -hmm. And there's people who sleep well at night knowing that they saved a little in the tank for tomorrow. And that blend can be your own personal blend where no one else can see inside it. But there, there were yeah. definitely a couple days there where I was low on reserves. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give my absolute best. But there's like kind of a veteran sense of how to how to practice and play. And it's like, I'm going to keep my cards a little closer to the chest and make sure that tomorrow come game time, you know, because we're playing every other day in, in the National Hockey League, that I, I've got the juice and I'm not going to, you know, spend tomorrow's energy today. I'm, I'm going to live in this little sweet spot. And so if you're to ask my teammates or coaches, you know, hey, did Connor let off the gas today? Like no one would tell, no one would know. No. Um, because my habits were so ingrained, but it's this, uh, it was kind of this little secret game I was playing to, to gamify it and, and make it my own thing. I love that. Um, obviously with the energy needed to show up for your career, to have that energy to perform when you're in a regular season alongside building the podcast and, you know, the curious competitor brand alongside the many other things you have going on in your life. Obviously time management and prioritization is something that you've either loosely figured out or you have mastered because I know you probably have a, a decent amount of things to get done in a day and then to support your recovery. So I'm curious, how do you manage your time to make sure, as we've been talking about, that you show up and you're all in wherever you are, or at least attempt to be like, how does that look in your life right now? Most important for me is getting, I don't believe organization really exists inside my head. Like this, this hamster upstairs has an appetite for sprinting and is yeah. always going. Mm -hmm. So if I can brain dump, if I can spill out, uh, my thoughts, people I need to get in contact with, um, whatever podcast scheduling, it all lives there right in front of me. And then instead of everything, uh, Matthew, Mc I keep just talking about other podcasts, but Matthew McConaughey talks about this, uh, on Joe Rogan recently where he's like, if he works out in a day, instead of all of his to-dos like stacking up on his shoulders where life feels heavy, once he moves in a day and sweats, everything's kind of just out in front of him and he can just go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. I relate to that. And yeah. so I really just try and journal, if I can, a month out. Like in the NHL, we get our schedule sort of a, a month out and that's how yeah. I'll operate then. 
Uh, right now, I'm probably more so on like a, a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. I can now tell why you started a podcast because you're obviously podcast obsessed yourself. <laughs> and and it's cool how it started. I love this story because my wife was like tapping me on the shoulder. She's like, hey, I really think you'd like I really think you'd like these podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know if you know what they are. And I'm like, kick rocks. Like, I got enough things I'm on to right now. You know, uh, I've, I've got a gazillion hobbies. I'm trying to like, you know, download and integrate. And I was trying to flex this reading habit that just wasn't necessarily sticking. And then I started to listen to podcasts and it was game over. I was, I was, I was obsessed. I, I came home and it's kind of how I learn where I, I regurgitate and, and, mm-hmm. and reflect on it and, and make sure I spew it to other people, whether they're ready for it or not. And yeah, so yeah, it was, it was my wife's fault. Lexi got me into it. <laughs> I can totally relate to that too, because I always thought there was something wrong with me because I never liked to sit down and read books. Um, and then audiobooks weren't exactly my thing too. So for the longest time, I just thought, oh, I guess I'm just not that studious or I guess I'm just not a reader. And then like 11 or 12 years ago when I found podcasts and I could be on a run or I could be on my bike and pop my earphones in. I was floored. I'm like, this is what I've been waiting for. It's those short, digestible nuggets. Uh, You can do something else. And that is actually what pushed me into starting a podcast too, because I would listen to so many and say, hey, I could do it. Like, I could do it better than that. I kind of want to put my own spin on these conversations. So yeah, it's certainly the uh, the gift that keeps on giving with all of these shows that are being introduced now. But I'm like, there's never enough. It's so good. Um, Aside from podcasts, I'm wondering, you seem to be someone who's always learning, always growing. What else are you geeking out on right now? Physical health, trying to, you know, gain an edge. Frankly, I know... Hockey, well, pro sport in general has this has this cycle where something is new wave and then it becomes commonplace. And then something else is new wave and mm-hmm. it's commonplace. So for example, uh, 10, 15 years ago, maybe maybe a little bit longer than that, it's pretty uncommon for hockey players to train the five, six days a week that we do uh, in the summers now as, as players. It's, now... Everybody's got a trainer. They're paying them thousands of dollars. They're, they're, they're in the gym two, three hours a day, uh, all the way from you know May to September in a normal year when they, they show up for training camp. I mentioned earlier the, the evolution of the game from, uh, from a skating and skill standpoint. I feel that you know where the game was, the skating demanded, the, the game is just so elastic and so smooth and so fast that on my own end, like I'm trying to work with a figure skating coach, just their ability to understand, you know, bodily torque, uh, where they are proprioceptively, like on their steel, I think is world, world class. Most uh, figure skaters can skate your average hockey player out of a rink. Mm. We have a little bit more of a, a bigger engine. A lot of us are these bigger, stronger athletes. So our explosiveness or short distance is much better, but their, their fluidity can't be uh, contested. And then just on the physical side, I think, in terms of eating, in terms of working with my own nutritionist, trying to look under every rock for an edge to uh, be my best every day. I'm 26 now. I'll be 27 in April 13th of next year. So, I mean, in hockey terms, I was old two years ago. Once you're 24, turn 25, you're, you're old. You cross the bridge. So, you know, for me, it's really trying to integrate and, and download all the habits that I've, that I've already looked for and, and, and have worked very hard to acquire and being more consistent with it. And then it's, 
you know, trying to find the cutting edge for, for what's next and, and whatever that looks like, I'll be as aggressive as I need to. Always being a scientist and experimenting, right? It's like, you know, you're continuing to see what works, what doesn't. And that takes a lot of brain power. Do you ever feel like you just want to like flip it off and like eat your bag of Doritos and say, screw it? Or is that just not in your DNA anymore? You know, I used to have, I've, I've done it where I've played with guys where, you know, they hardly train, they show up at camp and they're spectacular players and, and, you know, guys that they have a milkshake at night and they, you know, have 86 abs and I was never one of them. And <laughs> yeah. I think that I respect, you know, what hard work and dedication and equalizer that can be because, you know, if it were just left up to genetic ceiling, I might not be in this game, you mm-hmm. know? So this studiousness, this curiosity, uh, I joke, it may have killed the cat, but really it's given birth to my career. Yeah. It reminds me, my favorite book in the world that I recommend to everybody is The Slight Edge. And it really talks about that concept. It's like, what are those micro habits that you're doing that compound over time to give you the slight edge on everyone else? And to most people, they don't even see those habits. Like these are the things you're doing behind closed doors, like that little tweak to your diet. But then all of a sudden, you are a better skater or you have, I don't know, like better fast twitch muscles for the game or whatever the case is. Um, And they're like, how did he do that? And it's not attributed to one change. It's like all of these many hours that you have poured into learning and really like having a critical eye on everything you're doing to support your training, your recovery. And um, I'm always thinking, how can I gain that slight edge in my life? Because I don't think I'm the smartest marketer in the world. I don't think that my online course is better than anyone else's or my podcast. But if I keep doing all these little tweaks and enhancements, I do believe in the compound effect. And I do believe that that's what momentum is made of. So um, I think that's a, a pretty awesome reminder that like, even if you do feel as a listener that you aren't the best at what you do, keep showing up, keep trying, keep making those micro changes. Um, they will make an impact over time. Well, and there's, there's, there's two sort of schools of thought that, that drives this hunger to be better. And maybe this will connect with one of one of our listeners is on one hand, I'm trying to be better every day. I'm trying to not necessarily reinvent the wheel, but how can I come at something differently? How can I, you know, tinkering with my stick or my curve or my skates to, to try different, you know, profile to, to change my stride length, whatever. But then you know, this is sort of a summer project. This is sort of an off-season mindset, which is where you're catching me. In season, you're in the fire. You're playing every night. You're injured. You're underslept. You're in the wrong time zone. And there's this, the focus is more on just being my best. I'm not necessarily trying to become something I'm not, especially in a a team setting where where your role is oftentimes so rigid and defined. Mm -hmm. And... So I'll, I'll oscillate between, am I actually trying to grow or is, does growth for me look like just playing close to my 100% best self? And it's kind of a comforting thing to feel you don't need to be any better. Mm-hmm. Like Connor, you don't need to be some NHL all-star tonight that, that you've never been. Mm-hmm. You just need to, you know, how, you know how you played two nights ago? The career you want is simply repeating that. And then tomorrow night when we're on the road, do that again. And so this, this element that success isn't outside of me, that everything that I need is within my being and within my power now, um, you know, both of those are different fuel sources. 
I find, and it's, and it's subtle, but I, I find it a lot of fun to work with. On that note, I'm curious, do you have any um, routines or regimens around imprinting successful days or successful habits in your mind? Like you were saying, when you have a really good game, like you'll try to think, okay, like just do that again. Uh, when you have those moments of that worked, what do you do to kind of solidify that or to imprint it or to like blueprint it into your DNA? Feel it, go back, see it. Like I'm a yeah. huge, I'm a very visual learner. And I had coaches, for example, earlier in my career where, and I was a big visualizer, uh, even from a young age, and they would show negative video and I would sit down to see the play and I could not get out the negative image. It was, it was, it was playing without my will, really. And so what I've purposefully tried to do, and you know how hard this is to overcome this negative bias with our, you know, two gazillion, however many years old mm -hmm. brain, you really have to set aside time to go through your own highlight reel, to reflect mm -hmm. on what it felt like to do good. And similarly, in, in a purely X's and O's standpoint from hockey. So for example, we'll skate, we'll practice. And it's pretty common where there, you know, there's an aerobic or anaerobic component where you're pretty exhausted by the end of the skate. I will oftentimes sit there until, you know, I feel fresh again, however long that is, two, three, four minutes. And whether it's my skating or certain puck skill, I'll just do like three good reps. Smooth, not really contested, not under pressure, just so that my nervous system can feel that's the last feeling that I'm going to sleep on. And that's what it will remember when we pick up a stick again tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it's like a dress rehearsal for the performance, right? Mm -hmm. I think visualization mm -hmm. and doing these type of imprinting, whether you want to call it meditation or mindfulness, uh, that is like the dress rehearsal for what you want to happen next time. And if you're thinking about Broadway performers, like they're constantly doing the dress rehearsal so that when it comes time to, to perform, like it's deep within them. So I think even, um, anyone listening, when you have those moments of that went really well, or something brilliant just happened, take that moment and like replay it in your mind and like send that signal to every cell in your body. We like this. We want it to happen again. And we've all heard that tacky quote that what you focus on expands. So it, it kind of goes back to that. Like if you focus on those positive moments or shifts that have happened, then you're hoping to call in more of that. So I think that's awesome. Um, what would you say you are craving more of right now? Uh, obviously, you know, you've, you've got a lot of things in place to put you into positive forward motion. Is there something that you feel like deep down you wish you had time or extra, um, I don't know, like resources? What, what are you craving more of in life right now? Hugs and handshakes. <laughs> I think we're all going through this. You know, I, I wouldn't normally identify as a very social person. Like I, I remember I would talk to my wife very early on, uh, you know, quarantine and COVID times. And she would say, God, I just miss like everyday mundane social interactions. And I was like, I don't really care. Like yeah. I'm up in the dreamland. I'm, you know, my head's up here and, and, you know, that's kind of what, what fuels me. And I think mm -hmm. the longer it's gone on, I do miss that. So I hope, yeah, you know, for all of our Listeners that feel similar, I'd love to share a, a hug or a handshake if we could, mm -hmm. um, maybe virtually or, or intentionally. Aside from that, I would say right now, subconscious stress kind of uh, accumulates. Mm -hmm. 
And that, that law of that the aggregation of marginal gains, I think, can, can work positively and negatively. And right now, there's some uncertainties in my world where we don't know if we're going to have a season. We don't know, you know, my, my wife's uh, 28 weeks now, and, and I'm not exactly positive what to visualize success as a dad looks like. Like, I don't have <laughs> yeah. these previous reps to look at. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say I've necessarily respected the uh, unknown stress of that and, and made enough time. I've stayed in doing yeah. zone, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I haven't been super reflective lately and I'm probably overdue. It's what's it Friday. I'm, I'm, I'm overdue for a me weekend a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I know the self-care Sunday, like I'm not a big believer that self-care looks like a, you know, a bathtub and Epsom salts. Like I'm, I'm usually more of an action doer and that's what makes me feel better about my direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm due to sit down and, and, reacquaint myself with like, Hey, there's elements of my life that are okay. And that's okay. And there's elements of my life that, Mm -hmm. you know, aren't necessarily within my control. And that's going to be okay too. As long as you take care of, Mm -hmm. you know, what's in between my ears and what's in between my armpits. I, I, so to speak. Yeah. I think this time too, being at its end of November, we're kind of all starting to think about the new year. It's a great time to do a life audit and to just check in with yourself. Um, Of course, everyone's trying to promote goal setting and vision boarding workshops, but maybe we can just tune inwards for a bit and just assess like, how am I feeling? Where could I improve? And it can be as simple as taking the weekend to yourself and just really assessing like, what, what am I craving right now that I haven't made space for or made time for? Um, yeah. And I, I, I relate for me, it's been, I'm a day to day guy. Like I love getting up, getting after it, uh, boom, done next. Mm-hmm. But you know, to, to really make sure you're in alignment, to really make sure that you're, you're thinking, uh, bigger than your daily actions. Yep. You gotta, you gotta make room for these yearly plans. And mm-hmm. I'm not always the best at that. You know, like I have a journal, uh, I use the, I think it's Brennan Burchard's high performance planner. And it's got like, a every once in a while I have like the weekly review and I just skip it. I just go right to the next day because I'm like, ah, I don't have time to think about the whole week. You know? And, uh, that being my nature, I think isn't always best for what my real goals are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for some reflection. Yeah. And I think it's challenging for people like yourself. And even for me, like I'm constantly someone who loves to like put on another podcast or, you know, sit down with my journal or read the next book that's been piling up. But sometimes I need none of that. (laughs) And I actually need to consciously, you know, go out on a walk without a podcast, which how weird is that these days? But that's the time when I'm often able to like do that deep reflection and and hear that inner voice that's crowded out from all the wonderful content that um, I want to be consuming on a daily basis. So it's a good reminder. Uh, Yeah, good sign for me. Like how, how many books do you have open right now? I usually I, have. About I think I seven. have four going, <laughs> and I'm reading none of them. I've got four books I'm reading, and I'm reading none of them. So yeah, I am the queen of going to the library, and I get out like ten to twenty books because I just rediscovered the library like three years ago in my thirties, mm-hmm. and I will go and like collect every book under the sun, and I bring them all home, and you know I dabble in reading maybe one or two of them, but I'm a firm believer that just having them in my presence like makes me a better person. So, you know, I don't even judge myself. Like you'll just buy osmosis. (laughs) You'll just, you'll just download the information. Or I'll just flip open one page and I'm like, that's all I needed. Great nugget of wisdom. On to the next. Thank you. Well done. (laughs) 
Um, last question before we round out here, uh, when you're feeling stuck or uninspired or unmotivated, what do you do to shake that routine and get back to the Connor that, you know, you're here to be? It used to be just a ton of negative self-talk and, you know, who do you think you are? You're wasting your talent, you're wasting your time. And, you know, I've recognized just how hot that fire can burn and, and how degrading that can be over the course of time. Um, so for the most part, what I'll try and do is mentally there's a, there's a channel that's playing that I'm, it's not me at the time. It's not Jelen. It's, it's not providing me the feedback that I need to go out and, and use for fuel out in the world. Generally it's a conversation with family members, my wife, my dad, mm-hmm. My therapist talk about, you know, this is what the stress feels like right now. And sometimes I'm open for feedback and sometimes I'm not. And generally, I was always sort of like a positive Pam when people would come to me with their problems. Mm -hmm. And what I started to recognize was I am subconsciously telling this person that clearly you're not fit to solve your own issues. Yeah. And let me fix them for you because clearly you haven't looked at them through this lens. Mm -hmm. And so I've been able to identify people that are willing to let me reorganize verbally and, and, and sort of spit out the jumble that's in my head or, you know, maybe in my heart if, if it's more of an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. And that really helps me recalibrate because similarly, we're, we're just joking about all the books we're reading and, and, and all the information. Like, it's not a lack of information that's holding us back from who we want to be. We're not one book away from the book that's going to change our life. We're, we are sometimes just playing against ourselves mm-hmm. and, and not honoring the values that we would, if asked to choke, to, to talk about what they would be. Uh, so usually if I can just get back to a, a base level, zero uh, mental organization, emotional organization, mm-hmm. I'm usually on the right path there. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said sometimes you'll just call a, a- family member or a friend, I think so often when we're feeling stuck or uninspired, oftentimes it is correlated to um, sometimes a lack of connection, right? And and we just need human beings and especially now more than ever um, having a lack of that in our day-to-day life. So a good reminder, a gentle reminder to pick up the phone and call people and, you know, check in with your parents, your grandparents. So I love to hear that. Uh, Connor, thank you so much for sharing your journey on the Visionary Life podcast. I know that's just a snippet and a window into a little bit of who you are, but you're certainly someone whose dedication and whose drive we can all learn from and uh, steal a little bit of that energy from. So thank you for sharing that story. And I wish you all the best in whatever season comes about with this year's madness, but um, hope to have you back on the show someday. So thanks again. Kelsey, honored to be a guest and to your audience, I, I tip my cap, you know, there's, uh, this world needs people like you out there and, and all of you inspired. I know you and I really to show up and try and be our best and show up as leaders for you all. And, um, thank you for the time. And, and I hope it really resonates with your audience. Thanks again. 
That is my chat with Connor. I hope you enjoyed it. I swear he really is an old soul for somebody who's only, I think, 26 years old. He really does have a lot of wisdom to share. And I have loved listening to his podcast, The Curious Competitor. Even though I'm not in the hockey world, I don't even watch hockey uh, religiously like my husband does. But I love hearing about his conversations around high performance. And he brings on incredible, incredible guests. So there's a few things that I wanted to double tap on before I let you go. So the first one is the balance between pursuing growth, but also knowing that you're already enough and you don't have to be chasing that next milestone all the time. In this day and age of endless opportunity to develop ourselves both personally and professionally, it's also so important to pause and remind ourselves that we don't need another course or another coach to be our best. We are enough the way we are, and sometimes that is all you need. Second, I loved when Connor talked about the importance and power of visualization and how he's a visual learner. He's somebody who is very conscious of what he reviews in his mind because he knows how impactful it can be. We know that visualization is a wonderful technique, and as I mentioned, in the show, it's like a dress rehearsal for the performance, which is your life. And if you haven't done any visualization, I'd highly recommend learning more. Not that I'm the expert, but can certainly attest to its power from the experiences that I've had with it. And finally, being the fact that he's the only or first active NHLer to enter the world of podcasting, I just wanted to remind you that if you want something and you believe it's possible, but nobody's ever done it before, It is possible, right? You got to take those barriers off. Even if you haven't seen it modeled, go and chase that dream. Connor is an example of this. And though he worried about how his coaches would receive it and, you know, what would people think of him if he's splitting his time between training and podcasting, he's really proved that he can be all in on his hockey game and produce a great podcast and brand in his spare time. So thanks again, Connor. You are certainly an inspiring human and we cannot wait to follow along this season in your NHL career. So good luck. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.